The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday morning at 9.45 or 11.30 a.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Recently, I saw a picture of a crocodile in Australia, and it was kind of surprising. Check out this picture of this crocodile in Australia. Now, before we go any further, just a couple things about this picture. I I want to make no mistake, um, this is not a a gator. This is a crocodile. It's not a gator, and I say that because I would not want you to be under the assumption that we would put up on the screen a gator or anything that might look like it's in support of the University of Florida. Okay, I just want to be clear about that. This is a crocodile, okay? Also, that's kind of a University of Miami orange anyway, just to be clear, okay, right? Is that what? Okay. Okay, so this crocodile, when I first saw this, I, I wondered, is this some kind of new species of crocodile that they've discovered? Uh, what is it with this orange crocodile that they've found in Australia, and this is actually someone's pet, which is a little weird, but this is someone's pet, and the owner came out one day and found their crocodile starting to turn orange, and they began to get worried about this, about this crocodile. They were like, man, is it sick? Is it dying? What's happened to it? Has it contracted some kind of disease? And they didn't really know what to do, so they watched it for uh, a couple days, a couple weeks, and the crocodile seemed completely healthy. It's just turned orange. And so they just figured, okay, I I don't really know what's happening, but it seems like it's okay. And it did, the owner did a little bit more investigation. And I guess they have several kind of exotic pets. And so in part of their yard, they have this water filter that feeds, that provides water for some of their pets. And they found that the water filter, some of the PVC pipes had been chewed through and immediately realized that this crocodile had chewed through some of the PVC pipes of the unfiltered water and had begun to drink in the water. So they did some more investigation, and what they found out was that the unfiltered water had this orangey-red algae in it, and the crocodile had been drinking it so much that after a while, it actually began to change the skin pigment. The the scales, the color of the scales, actually began to change the pigment in the scales. So it's completely, it's healthy. It's just been drinking in so much of this reddish-orange algae that it's actually changed its pigment, which I thought is pretty remarkable when you think about how tough the scales are on a crocodile. When you think about notoriously tough the scales of a crocodile, I thought that was an incredible concept. And I also thought it was interesting because there's a similar... Key, there's a similar principle in our lives as well. There are things in our lives that we drink in. Maybe not necessarily physically and literally, but there's things in our lives that we drink in that eventually tint our lives. There are influences all around us that we just let seep in whether we realize it or not, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously, there's influences all around that begin to seep into our lives. And no matter what, those influences will, over time, tint our lives. They will affect our lives. All kinds of influences. The people that we're around, the things, the concepts and principles that we think about, the, the things that we listen to, the things that we watch. There's things all around us that are influencing us. 
And over time, these things that are influencing us will eventually tint our lives. This is an incredibly important concept for us to be aware of in our own lives and also aware of for our families. What are the things that we're drinking in that are tinting the way we live and how we go about our lives? Now, we're going to look at a passage in the book of Psalms that's, that talks about this principle. In this series that we're in called uh, How to Read the Bible for Dummies, in this, this series that we're in last week, we kicked it off. And we, you know, just to recap a little bit, we studied a passage in the book of James, and it helped us understand the main point of reading the Bible is to be changed. The main point, the whole reason we're doing it, is to be changed, not to just check a box. It's to be changed. That's the goal. And so what we set up, if you remember, what we set up is, we said, okay, if the goal is to be changed, how do we study the Bible in order to be changed? So we laid out just a simple method for studying the Bible, aiming towards life change. We laid out three questions. Um, as we're studying the Bible, what does it say, what does it mean, and what will I do today? Simple method to read the Bible, and then we go through those questions. What does it say? What does it mean, and what will I do today? We looked at the book of James last week. This week, we're going to look in the book of Psalms, and we're switching to a whole other part of Scripture, and it's intentional. In this series, it's three parts. In this series, we're going to bounce into three different genres of Scripture. The first week, we looked at a letter, the book of James. Most of the New Testament's filled with letters. They're very practical and very instructional. We're jumping now to the Old Testament Psalms, which is the largest book of the Bible, and it's filled with poetry, they're songs. They're poems. And when you read it, you might be like, okay, I've read parts of the Psalms, or I've heard parts of the Psalms. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't seem like it's poetry to me, but it's actually very sophisticated poetry with rich imagery, and we're going to look at a passage uh, in Psalms. Next week, we're going to look at a part of the Bible that's known as history. The Bible is loaded with historical stories that are, that are awesome. Some of them are love stories. Some of them are adventure stories, and God uses these, these historical stories to draw the truth up to the surface for us to learn. There's other parts of the Bible that you'll find there. Jesus tells fictional parables, fictional stories. You'll find in the Bible there's actually legal documents in the Bible. You'll actually find in the Bible there's parts of the Bible known as prophecy that have this rich imagery and it's almost psychedelic at times, but it shows us, helps us learn about God and helps us learn what God's plan is as he's working inside history. So as we're learning how to study the Bible, it's important to appreciate that the Bible is filled with all different types and genres of Scripture, which is important for us. You would read an instruction manual different than you'd read a novel which is different than you'd read a letter or an email, which is different than how you'd read a piece of poetry. We would read those different, and it's important for us to appreciate that there's different genres in operation in the Bible. So this morning, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1. We're going to look at the first psalm, which is a piece of poetry. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can turn there to Psalm 1, or it will also be up here on the screens. Let's check out what it says. Psalm chapter 1 it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Okay, let me read that one more time. Check it out. The very first verse. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of of scoffers. Okay, what did he say here? This first verse, he talks about, what's the first word in the verse? What is it? Blessed. So saying you're blessed 
if you do this. And actually, he starts with, you're blessed if you don't do this. And I want you to hold on to that idea of blessed. We're going to come back to it. He says, you're blessed if you make sure that you don't do this. He says, make sure you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Then he says, or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, let's talk about this for a second. First, he talks about the wicked. Then he talks about the sinners. Then he talks about mockers. Now, what does he mean? That seems like a pretty, pretty negative group there, okay? What is he talking about? I mean, the wicked? I mean, that sounds like someone who's notoriously evil. Wicked and sinners and mockers? I mean, who is he talking about? Is he talking about, like, people like Hitler? I mean, what, what is he talking about? It sounds like a pretty notorious group. Well, to understand this, let's start with the third word that he uses, the word mockers. What he's talking about with this group of people, and, and to be honest, every one of us at some point in our life, and, and in some ways, every one of us falls into these categories at some point in time. But what he's talking about are, are, are those in the world that mockers in the sense that their lifestyle, their perspective of God, is they just kind of disregard him. Their lifestyle, the way they live, the way they think, the way they act, their perspective, they just disregard who God is. They don't care. They're doing their own thing. And in a sense, if that's their perspective, then in a sense, they would be a mocker. They're making a mockery of if there is a God, which we believe there is, if there is a God, then he is the almighty ruler and owner of everything that is. And if we just do our own thing, then we're kind of making a mockery of who God is. He's saying mockers. He's saying sinners. It's like if, if saying God has these commands and expectations for humanity, and anytime any one of us breaks one of those things, we break a command of God, maybe it's, it's selfishness or it's greed or anything like that, that would be called a sin. That would be wickedness. So what he's talking about is something that we, if we're all honest, in some point in our life, we can fall into that. But in, in, for the purposes of this psalm, he's talking about those who just have a pattern of that. They just don't care. They're, they're really kind of disregarding God. They're doing their own thing. They, they, it doesn't really bother them if they break God's commands. They don't, maybe they don't know if they believe in God. They're just doing their own thing, which, if we're honest, is pretty much most of the world. Most of the world and, and how we stand before God, but in particular in this case, most of the world is saying, look, I, I'm not sure what I believe. I'm just doing my own thing. Well, what, what this verse says, what this chapter says, it says, blessed are you if you don't, notice this progression says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, and sit in the seat of mockers. Did you notice that progression? Walk, stand, sit. There's something that's progressively happening there. Okay, um, how many of you would say uh, Shark Week? That's something that I, I like to watch and I enjoy. How many say I, I love Shark Week is my thing. I like watching it. I've got kind of a warped mind and I like to watch Shark Week. Okay, I see your hands. All right. I, I personally find Shark Week terrifying, okay? I don't even go near kiddie pools after watching something like Shark Week, okay? Now, maybe I want you to just put this in your brain, okay, that the, the difficulty with Shark Week, the thing that's kind of alluring about Shark Week, it's kind of like, if you see, like, if you're flipping through channels and you have Shark Week, even if you intend to go past it, there's something about, like, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable, okay? Before you realize it, you've been watching it, okay? Now, I, I want you to imagine this scenario. You're at Best Buy, minding your own business. You walk through the TV section of Best Buy, okay? And it just so happens, let's just say hypothetically, 
one of the TVs, okay, it, it, it's actually showing something from Shark Week. Shark Week is on it. And let's just not say it's like one of the TVs up on the wall. It's like one of the displays, okay? They have like a couch in front of it, like headphones you put on, like glasses. It's like in 4D. It's like sending smells out at you and things like that, okay? So you, you walk by, and you walk by, you're like, wow, that's an incredible television. You're like, oh, my gosh, it's Shark Week. What's happening? There's blood everywhere. You're kind of like walking past it. Okay, I can't even look at that, all right? And then you, you're walking again, and you walk by Shark Week again. But this time you're like, oh, my, that seal doesn't have a chance, you know? And you, all of a sudden you find yourself walking by. And all of a sudden, before you, you were walking by it, and you had these scary images in your mind. But then it caught your attention, and now you're just standing there, and you're watching this, okay? And you watch a little further, and then all of a sudden you see some dude who thinks it's a good idea to get in a metal cage and go under the water. Now, I just want to know, who, who of you here are insane enough to think that they would say, I would do that, I would go in a cage, or, or have done? That's insane, okay? You guys need help, all right? I can't imagine ever doing that, okay? So, so you're saying, there's a dude that's going down in a cage, like, all right, i got to watch this, okay? Before you realize it, you're sitting down, you've got the headphones on, the goggles, they're shooting smells of the salt sea at you or whatever, and, and before you realize it, you're sitting there watching Shark Week for like five hours. They're kicking you out because Best Buy is closed, okay? They're, they're escorting you out. All right, I want you to notice the progression here. You started and you were just walking by like, oh, okay, no, I, I don't want to see that. Then you walk by again and you're like, oh, all right, well, just for a second. Okay, I'll just check it out for a second. And then before you realize, like, okay, I got to see this. And then you sit down and you're watching that. You see that progression? This is what happens with our influences, there are times that we're just walking along and we hear something and we're like, uh, oh, that's interesting, I, I don't know about it, and we try and keep walking along, but we can get a little bit more influenced by it because then sometimes we walk by and then we're kind of stopped. It's like metaphorically, we kind of stop and maybe we kind of consider it a little bit more. And then before long, we're just sitting right there in it, just absorbing it and drinking it in. Maybe it's a, it's a, a group of friends this group of friends that you may have, and, and, and you know, it, they maybe don't know God, and so they're, they're not necessarily trying to follow God, so they do some things that are outside of what you think God wants for your life, and you're friends with them, you're close to them, you love them, and, and after a while, let's say maybe there's things that they do, and you're walking along, and, and it's not just that you're friends, but now, it, it, notice it says walk in the council, and, and so now you're hearing their ideas, hearing their thoughts, seeing what they do, and you're like, well, I'll just join, but I'm not going to participate. So then you're just joining, and then, well, all right, I'll participate a little, but I'm not going to let it get out of control. And before too long, you're just sitting right down next to him. Now, I want to, a big caution here, I want you to notice what it's not saying. It doesn't say, don't walk anywhere near those who are not following God. It's not what it says. It doesn't say, put on blinders, put, put on, go, go into your room and hide from the world, separate yourself from the world as much as possible, don't walk near them. That's not what it says. In fact, that, we would say that's actually not following in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus entered into the world, befriended the world. The difference was he influenced them rather allowing them to influence him. Notice it doesn't say don't walk near them. It says don't walk in their counsel. He's warning us, beware of the influences in our life. Beware of how, that, of how that happens. This is something that every single one of us has to determine 
for ourselves. We have to, before God, we have to wrestle with God and say, okay, how is this influence, how is this influencing me? Each family has to decide, okay, we've got to, how are we going to handle the things that are influencing us as a family? Each, each family, each person has to go before the Lord and figure out, how is this influencing me? The, this category that the psalmist, the writer of the psalms, the psalmist describes, this category, he says, the wicked, sinners, and mockers. And, and again, all of those things we can relate to because we sometimes, we sometimes are sinful, and, and we know in parts of our lives we would have been classified as wicked sinners or mockers. But what this is saying is it's saying uh, these things, be careful of how they're influencing us, and we have to think about them in a couple different categories. There are some influencers that are very close. There are influencers that are, are interpersonal. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's classmates. It's those people that are, maybe it could be neighbors. It could be other people in our life. There are influencers that are close up. It's not saying completely separate yourself from them. He's saying be careful of how they're influencing you. There's some influencers that are just as influential, but they're farther away. Maybe it's an author that I read. Maybe it's a talk show host that I watch. Maybe it's, it's a, a movie or a musical artist or something that I watch. It can be something from afar that's influencing me, and I've got to be careful. How is that? I've got to be conscious. How is that influencing how I think? How is that influencing how I live, how I act, how I speak? How is it influencing my view of marriage? How is it influencing my, my, my view of my family? How is it influencing my view of this world? How is it influencing my, my view of God? The psalmist is saying, you're wise if you're watching how you're being influenced. And if you understand that there's a progression, it may start as you're just walking by, and before you know it, you're standing there considering it, and before you know it, you're sitting down and joining, joining in with that group. He says, be watchful. He says, you'll be blessed if you don't, if you're not influenced by those, and then he says, but you'll be blessed if you do positively this. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. I love the way this is put. He says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Not just, you'll be blessed if you think it's a good idea. This guy's passionate. This person is passionate about the ways of God the expectations of God, the commands of God. This person is passionate about him. He's so passionate. He meditates day and night, thinks about it all the time. Let's it, he drinks it in, lets it saturate. He's so obsessed with it, he thinks about it all the time. And you say, okay, j- just time out for a second. I, I get that. I know where you're going. Be careful of those, the bad things that are influencing you away from God, and, and you need to read the Bible so you're influenced to following God. I get that, but here's my problem. I'm just, I'm not a studier. I don't meditate on things, okay? That, that's kind of a foreign word for me. I don't go around meditating on things. I just don't study. I don't read. I'm just not really into that kind of thing. Okay, let me give you some pushback. Because here's my theory. I think every single human studies. Every human, in fact, I think is passionate about studying. You say, look, you clearly did not see my report cards when I was in school. I believe it. I believe. I think it's part of the human makeup that we 
are passionate about studying. You say, no, I, I've never, I, I don't even know that I've read a single book all the way through. Okay, there may be someone that says, look, I don't read, I don't study, I don't know things about, back in school, I didn't know what historian did this and dates, and I don't know what scientist discovered this, but that same person, if you talk about sports, they might be able to tell you every statistic of that athlete for generations. They may be tell you like a team that they like. They may be able to tell you everything that team ever did. Why? They love sports. They study it, meditate on it, day and night. Some of you say, look, I, I'm just not really into reading and studying, but when it comes to cars, you know, everything about how a car works, every new car that's coming out. Some of you say, look, I failed, you know, science, and I don't know that kind of stuff, but when it comes to the mechanics of swinging a golf club, you know physics and like things, how the ball turns around and all this stuff. Some of you say, you know, all kinds of things. Some of you are into health. You, you say, like, I really wasn't into a chemistry, but now when it comes to nutrition, you're passionate about that. You know, like, all these, like, ten-syllable words that you can find on labels and, you know, all these different things. You read blogs on how if you drink a Coke Zero, you're, like, melting your insides, okay? And you've shortened your life by ten years, Okay? And if you read that blog, just don't tell me, okay? I don't, I'm blissful in my ignorance, all right? Some of you are passionate about that. You're, you're passionate about health. You read about that. You know new developments and you know new theories. You study that. Some of you love gardening and you study plants and stuff, which is a little weird to some of us, but you love it. That's just your thing. Some of you say, like, you know comic books or you know Star Wars trivia, okay? And then some of you say, I can't believe people who study that. But then there may be, like, a whole series of novels, and you know how each one of those characters interact with each other, and you're passionate about it. Here's the thing. Humans, every one of us, we study. That's what we do. It's just that we study, we obsess about, we meditate night and day on the things we delight in. All of us do it. It's the magazine that we get in and we're looking at the new gear or whatever it is. We, we study. It's, it's that movie director that's coming out with a new movie or that artist that's coming out with that new album. We study. All of us do. It's just we study on what we delight on. And what the psalmist is saying, you'll be blessed if you make as one of your obsessions the ways of God. Not, notice he's not saying this. You'll be blessed if you take five minutes a day and just grind through it and read the Bible and close it and check it off and move on. You'll be blessed. No, what he's talking about here, he's saying, you'll be blessed if you decide, okay, this is the maker of heaven and earth. He's given me his ways here in the Bible. I want to know it. It's my delight to study it. It's going to be one of my obsessions I think about and I study night and day. It's saturating my mind. He says, you'll be blessed if that describes you. Now, he has this incredible metaphor in this next verse of what it looks like to be saturated by the Word of God. Look at what this metaphor says. It says this in verse 3. Look what he says. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I love this image. Saying, I want you to think about this. What does it look like to be saturated by God's word? I want you to imagine this flowing river 
and a tree that's just planted right there. And I want you, he says, I want you to think about the dynamics of that. Its, it's root system is growing right there on the most fertile soil that's constantly watered by the stream. This is the, the imagery of studying God's Word. I want you to imagine God's Word as this living stream of water that comes directly from God. He's saying, be planted right next to it so that the Scripture, the Word of God, the Bible, is constantly nourishing you. Because if that's true, it doesn't matter if there's, just, if there's not that much rainfall that season. You're right there by the stream. Beautiful imagery. Now look, he says the other side of it. Look what he says verse Let's see how he wraps this up. He says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here's what he's saying. He's saying it's not the same way if you decide that what's influencing you the most is not the Scripture. If you decide what's influencing you most are those who really they just they don't care about God's Word and God's ways. He says they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Chaff is when, when there's a grain and they're beating away all of the, the extra pieces from the grain. They're just those little filaments that go into the, the air and get blown away. He says... That's the difference. If you're comparing one or the other, depending on your influences, you're either planted by streams of water or like chaff. Do you notice he says, in all their ways prosper. Now, you remember what that first word of the entire psalm was. What was that first word? I want you to notice what he says. He says, you're blessed. He doesn't say, God's happy with you. He doesn't just say, you did the right thing. He doesn't just say you're smart. He doesn't just say God's like, okay, I approve you this day because you read the Bible. He doesn't say that. He says you're blessed. This word, it's talking about in every category of life, you find peace. You find, you find God working in those areas. It's not saying necessarily it goes according to your plan. It's saying it goes according to God's plan, which is always so much better than our plan anyway. He says, you will be blessed if this describes you. If we say, okay, I'm going to be planted by streams of water and saturated with the word of God. He says, I will be blessed. Now, here's what this is referring to. Here's how this works. Uh, Rebecca and I, uh, we have a one-year-old little girl, Scarlett, and she has this toy. It's a little xylophone. And through this xylophone, I've learned uh, about kids and small children and babies and how they play with toys. And so, um, you know, we'll sit there and we'll, like, plunk out a tune, okay? And, and I've noticed that some, there's some certain toys that I'll be playing with Scarlet with, and then, like, 15 minutes goes by. And then I realize about 10 minutes ago, Scarlet crawled away, which means I've been playing with her toy by myself for 10 minutes, which is a little bit weird. So I was playing with this xylophone with Scarlett there, and um, it's got this little wand that goes with it. It's this little, like, drumstick. And, you know, when you hit these little metal pieces, it can make, like, a nice tone. And so you, you play it with the little stick. But some of the other toys that she has, they have, like, a little button, and they're more electronic. And she presses the button, and the whole music starts to play. 
So I have this wand. I'm showing her how to play on the xylophone, and then I hand her the wand, and, you know, she just doesn't have the coordination around yet. She almost wounds me in the face with it, you know. So she's trying to work. So then I watched her. She put it down, and she tried to press the little keys. Because in her mind, how come this doesn't work like the other one? There's, like a, there's buttons on the other one, and the music just happens. And she's trying to press them, but it doesn't make a sound if it's not using the little wand that comes with it. There's a way that the toy is supposed to function... And it just doesn't function if you don't use it that way. Here's how our lives work. There's a way that God, the creator and inventor, designed our lives to work. He says, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this is how my expectations for how you live. These are my laws. This is my design for how your relationships work. This is my design how, for how your family works. This is my design for how your character is supposed to work, how your friendships. This is how my, my design for how you should view your, your possessions and your finances. This is my design for how you should spend your time. This is my design. He has all these things. He's saying, here. He's saying, you'll be blessed if you do it. Because that's the way your life works is supposed to function. But if we're influenced by those who say, I, I'm just not that interested in what God has to say. And if we let that sink in, and we know that that sinks into our lives often too, if we let that influence happen in our lives, he says things are going to break down. He's saying, study and meditate. Make part of your obsession. Make the thing that you delight to study, the Word of God and you will prosper in all various areas of your life. Here's what we, we've been discussing in this, uh, in this study. We, we've said, okay, our, our goal as we're studying the Bible, how to study the Bible, we want our lives to be changed, and there's three basic questions. Well, what does the Scripture say? What does it mean? And what do I do today? So let's just use this as if we just read Psalm 1 in our own quiet time on our own. If we just read Psalm 1 by ourselves, and we'd say, okay, what did it say? Well, it said a bunch of things. It said, I'm wise if I'm aware, aware of the influences around me, and I'm careful not to let those who just don't just disregard God's thing, God's ways, I'm wise if I don't walk in their counsel, if I'm not influenced by them. I'm wise if I recognize that there's a progression that can go from walking to standing to sitting. But I'm also wise if I turn God's ways and God's laws and God's scripture into my delight that I study day and night. I'm wise to do that. And if I do, then he's saying that's going to positively influence every sector of my life. That's what it's saying. Okay, well, well that's good. Okay, well, what does it mean then? Okay, well, it's saying that there's an error to avoid. I need to avoid the negative influences, and there's a command to follow. I need to obsessively study God's Word. I need to meditate it on it day and night. I need to think about it day and night. And so that brings a good question. Okay, what does this mean? Well, it talks about a tree planted by a stream of water. I guess that brings a question for each of us before God to answer. What kind of tree am I? If I were to take inventory of my life and the relationship of my life to God's Word, to the Bible, and how much it's influencing me, what kind of tree would I? Maybe you would say, look, okay, right now I'm a cactus. I'm not anywhere near the water. If I'm honest, if I look at my life, I, I just kind of go with the world. I, I, I just, 
I'm not seeing how God and his word is influencing more than the world is. I'm not close to the, to the streams of living water. Maybe some of you say, I'm not, I'm not a cactus, I'm a ficus tree. Okay, I'm, I'm in the tropics, okay, I'm, I'm near water. It's maybe not in sight, but you know, okay, I'm doing the best I can, I'm trying. I don't know that, you know, that, that, that I'm anchored right in the word of God, but I'm nearby, I'm a ficus. Some would say, no, you know what, I would say I'm a palm tree. I'm like one of those palm trees that's like right on the beach and it's like going way out over the water, okay? Or, or you say, man, that's the, that's the tree I want to be. I want to be the palm tree. Or then there's a fourth tree. I'll never forget the first time I really appreciated this tree. A friend of mine had invited me to go up. His family, his family had this, has this large farm in uh, middle Florida and it, it's got these huge forests and they do hunting and and so he one time invited me up there, and they didn't let me touch a gun because it was wise of them not to let me do that. And so um, I'm up there with them, and we decided one day uh, we had gone hunting early in the morning, and then we decided to just kind of go out and, and just explore. And so they take us into this marshy swamp land, and we're wading through this swamp, which about once I'm in and there's no return, I'm like, what in the world am I doing out here, Okay. We're in this water, and it's up to here. It's opaque, okay? You cannot see anything underneath the water, all right? And we're just wading through this, and like every splash, I'm like, it's a water moccasin, okay? I'm, I'm getting bit right now by water moccasin. I don't know how, but... And I'm wading through, and I didn't fully appreciate it until we came to this clearing. And we had been just wading through this for maybe an hour, and we get to this clearing, and it's just this water just gently flowing, this huge open area, and, and there were these cypress trees that were just shooting up out of the water. And I, I could never think of how a swamp could look just gorgeous, but it was pristine. Okay, I, I don't have a picture of that moment, but it's similar to this picture. I found a similar picture. And I, I look at those, and man, that is just, I remember seeing those cypress, and I remember it was just like raw natural beauty. No telling when the last human went by. There's just untouched natural beauty. And the thing that's so incredible about these cypress trees, they're not planted near the water. They're coming right out of the water. That's what the psalmist is telling us. Be so unbelievably saturated in the water, surrounding you, feeding you constantly. You're saturated by God's truth. You're surrounding yourself all around. I guess the question is, where do I feel like I am? Or where do I think I am? Am I, am I the cactus? Man, I, I, I need to move. I need God's help to move closer to the water, get the, get the scripture more in my life, more as an influencer. Maybe I'm a ficus. Okay, I'm, I'm nearby. I'm not way off, but I, I need to get closer. Maybe someone say, I'm, I'm a palm tree. I'm on the bank. But you say, you know what? No, I want to be the cypress. That it's, I'm surrounded by water. It's the main influencer. It's my delight. I'm passionate about it. I'm meditating on it day and night. I want to be like that cypress. It's in the water. That's what he's pushing us to think about. That's what this means. Okay, so that's what it means in what will we do today? And I challenge you this morning, practically, what do we do? Maybe for you, you say, okay, for starters, I've got to set aside time in my life every day, maybe day and night. And you say, okay, well, how much, how often am I supposed to read the Bible? Like, is a couple times a week okay, or does it have to be every day? I'd say that's the wrong question. 
That's the wrong question. The question is, how do you get it to saturate your life night and day? So when you say, okay, for starters, I'm going to carve out a part of my schedule. It's, maybe it's for you, and, I, and maybe for you, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in this. You say, this is the first thing I do in the day. Before all the rest of the craziness of the day distracts me, I'm going to give that first part of the day to God. I'm, I might have to get up 30 minutes earlier, maybe 20 minutes, maybe get up an hour earlier, whatever it is. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to have coffee ready. I'm going to sit down with, with a journal and my Bible, and I'm going, to just, I'm going to make sure I begin my day saturating myself with God's Word. I'm going to go th- read it and go through those questions. Okay, what does it say? What does it mean? What am I going to do about it today? And my goal is to be changed every day as I'm going through the Scripture. But maybe some of you say, okay, that's fine, but I, I want to be saturated. And maybe say, you know what? I'm going to reclaim. I'm going to reclaim my commute. Because right now, maybe for some we say, you know what, right now I, I just turn on something on the radio and I let it just take my mind down whatever path it wants. Whatever subject matter the DJ wants to talk or the talk show host wants to say, that's, I'm plugging my mind in and it's just guiding me through that. And maybe that's fine or maybe you say, you know what, but I think it's starting to influence me. And so, you know what, I'm, maybe what you say is, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to download some podcasts of some great preachers and just hear more scripture. I'm going to reclaim my commute. Maybe you say you have that version app on, on a phone or device, and you're just going to have it read the scripture out loud. One day I had a, a house project around, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to just you know, turn on version and just open a book of the Bible and have it just read to me out of the Bible with my headphones on while I'm doing this house project. It was incredible. I had read in the course of about an hour and a half of this house project, um, I, it read to me whole books of the Bible. It's incredible. Maybe see, I'm going to find more ways to saturate myself with God's Word. But maybe you think, okay, I also want to think about my family. And maybe you say, okay, I need to make sure, is my family, what's influencing my family the most? And maybe you say, you know what, I want to take one step forward and have a time together as a family where we open the Bible and we read it together. So like that is super intimidating. I'm not sure how that's going to go over, but maybe you just try it. When I was growing up, uh, my parents, they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to sit down to breakfast together before school and work every single day. And so we got up a little bit early, and it wasn't long. It was 15, 20 minutes. It was like a piece of toast. I mean, it wasn't like pancakes and bacon and all kinds of stuff. It was like a piece of toast, okay, a glass of orange juice. It was very simple. And we sat down, and my dad sat down, my mom sat down, my dad just opened the Bible, and he just read a little passage. And he said, anyone have any thoughts on this? And in probably 18 years, I don't think I ever had a thought on it in the entire time we sat there. No thoughts. I was just trying to keep my face out of the cereal bowl, okay? But you know what was happening? Saturation. What Rebecca and I do is, um, with our, our daughter Scarlett, she's one years old, and we have this Jesus Storybook Bible. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, tells the stories of the Bible, but not just so that she knows the stories. It tells the truths behind the stories. There's times that I'm finished reading and like I'm impacted by this. I'm like, I need to go study this story a little bit. You know, it's incredible. Now, just uh, truth be told, this is what it looks like when we're reading this to our one-year-old. So Rebecca's holding Scarlet. I'm sitting down. I read. I get through one page. Scarlet's thrown the bookmark on the ground. She's crawled all around Rebecca. She's now crawled onto me. She's honked my nose, okay? Has she gotten, is she a theologian now because we've done this? No, but you know what it is? Most of it is for Rebecca and I at this point. So it's part of our rhythm. Part of our rhythm. 
It's not, I'm not expecting absolute life change revival to break out. It's just I want our family to be saturated. I want it to be part of our rhythm as a family. You know, another thing, and I know this sounds painfully, painfully obvious, but this is the perfect time for us to be reminded of this truth. You know what's an important way to be saturated? Making gathering together as a church a priority in our families. I know that's like the most obvious thing you could ever hear at church, but it's absolutely essential for us as families to be saturated in God's word. That we gather together on a weekly basis it's not that we're checking it off. Oh, I missed a week. Okay, I lost some points. You know, it's not what it is. It's that it's a weekly rhythm for myself and my family. And my, my kids are learning God's truth at their, at their age level in our kids' ministry. That our students are learning God's truth at their age level in our student ministry. That we meet together as community groups and we talk about it. It becomes part of my rhythm. It's an essential part of being saturated and choosing what is going to influence me and my family the most. A couple practical tools that we've been talking about. We want to make sure we're doing, give you as many practical tools as we can. Um, the first one, you can pull up that first slide. These are all available for you in the back. Here's just some great tools. The ESV Study Bible, it is, it's, it's the translation that we use here, but the study notes in the ESV Study Bible are awesome. They give you great insight and help you understand what's happening in the passage. Um, we've got some of those in the back. The hard covers are $30. The, there's some soft cover, true tone ones that are a little fancier. They're $45. Um, that's a great study, great for your study, helping you understand the Bible. Uh, another resource that we have available, there's, if you needed one volume to be able to look up more information, if you come across a term or something you don't understand, the um, new Bible dictionary is back there. That's $30 too. Incredible resource. All kinds of stuff about the Bible that's easy to find, easy to read, that explains what's going on in the Bible. Another thing you'll find in the back is you'll find these Jesus Storybook Bibles available uh, also in the back. I think these are phenomenal to, to, if you have younger kids, even if they're babies, you can start out reading this to them. These are great stories, well-written, really captures the truth uh, of that scripture. I highly recommend. We just want to make as many resources as we could available for for us as we're learning to study the Bible. And of course, inside your bulletin, there is a yellow insert. Can you go ahead and pull out this yellow insert? On this yellow insert, what you're going to find is, I encourage you to keep this. Maybe you put this in your Bible, or maybe you put this where you're planning on reading the Bible. It has on the front those, those questions, a couple extra questions to help you think through it. And on the back is a reading plan. And last week, we challenged uh, us as a church to go through the book of James on our own time and read through. And maybe you started, but you got hung up this week. That's okay. Just jump back in at the next verse. Maybe you say, hey, I'm, well, now I'm a week behind. That's okay. The point is that we have something that we can just jump in and begin studying on our own time. James is such a great book of the Bible. Very, very, very practical. Um, I want to just close with, uh, tell you about one story, and then, and then we'll close in prayer. But one quick story that I heard. Um, it, it was told by, uh, I found in a book by one of my favorite preachers, a guy named Kent Hughes, and he talked about this general. There's a World War II general by the name of General William Harrison. He's an ex exceptionally well-decorated general in World War II. He, has, uh, he was the most decorated soldier in the 30th Infantry Division. He, got, he was decorated in almost any, every different form of um, decoration of valor you could have, except for the Congressional Medal of Honor. He was given the Distinguished Silver Cross, the Silver Star, the Bronze Star for Valor, the Purple Heart. He was an incredible um, soldier. 
But when he was a cadet, he was 20 years old at uh, West Point, and he decided that every year he was going to read through the Old Testament one time and the New Testament four times, which is much shorter than the, than the Old Testament. He decided every year. He started that when he was 20. And he successfully kept this up where he was reading through the Old Testament once a year and the New Testament four times a year, even through the wars that he fought in. And so there were battles that lasted for days, and then when he, was, when he had a break from the battle, he'd get caught up on his reading. So by the end of World War II, he was right on schedule. Incredible man. He, he did this every single year until when he turned 90, his eyesight started to fade, and he could no longer read the Bible for himself. And in those years, he read the Old Testament 70 times and the New Testament 280 times. Now talk about saturation. Say, well, man, I got a busy life. Well, this man was being saturated with the Scripture in between battles. But here's what's so cool. That's not just, wow, what a cool accomplishment. It's the impact that it had on him and his character. Um, Eisenhower rated his division as the number one infantry in the war. He was Eisenhower's choice to lead the negotiations at the end of the war. He was placed as the chief of staff in the, United, uh, in the Korean War and the United uh, Nations Command. He was placed as the chief of staff. He, read, um, he led a group of off- Christian officers. He led a, there was a, 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 an organization of Christian military officers, and he, and he led that group for 18 years, a man of incredible character that was committed to being saturated by the Word of God. But you know what the best part is about being saturated by the Word of God? You know what you'll find? You'll find it's about one story, cover to cover. One story. It's a story about how much God loves you. He's not mad, disappointed, angry. He's calling you home. It's one story about how God loves you so much He sent his only son, Jesus, the son of God, to this earth. Jesus offered himself up to be crucified on a cross. God poured all the punishment for our sin and our wickedness. Poured out that punishment on Jesus. And Jesus rose again from the dead so that we could be, similarly, once we're washed clean, we'll one day be in heaven with Jesus and with God when we die. That's the best part. You find out who God is and how much he loves you and what he did through Jesus for you. This morning, you can accept that gift. That's a gift to you being offered to you that Jesus died for you and washed away your sins. That's a gift being offered to you. And God says, if you just put your faith in that gift, you say, yes, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He's washed me clean once and for all, and that's how I'm going to be saved and get into heaven. Not by my own works, by what Jesus did. If you want to accept that free gift of forgiveness today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that, and I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you, I want to invite you to just pray this simple prayer right there between you and God. Just pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. God, thank you for the fact that you love me so much that you've washed away my sins and you've forgiven me. I accept what Jesus did on the cross. I want to spend eternity with you.
Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.